0: Week by week, we're listening to a little bit of poetry. I hope some of you at least have gone online and are tracking with Malcolm Geith and his poem readings and commentaries. Um, it's not my uh, wheelhouse, but uh, I'm learning things. I'm, I'm understanding some poetry, and that's never happened to me before. <laughs> so it's good. It warms my, warms my soul. Uh, to read and think about this Advent season so during Advent um, we're we're looking at a rather strange subject the subject of sorrow Um, and we're talking about the fact that um, sorrow is is best experienced in the hope of Advent Um, if we have nothing that brings us hope if there's nothing that we're headed towards then our sorrow is going to simply um, disable us and, and and stop us. Whereas if we understand the power of Advent, the first Advent, the first coming of Christ, and the next Advent, when he is going to come and make all things new, uh, when we grab on to those, then I think we can let sorrow have its sway and we can um, become more faithful and more true to our, our faith as we hold on uh, through the sorrows of our lives. So the sorrows are m- many. They, they come in uh, personal experiences. They come in loss of various kinds. Um, and probably each one of us could, could now just sort of zero in on what it is that has been the great sorrow in our lives, uh, and and they would be different as we think around and would talk around this subject. I want to ask you this morning um, to humor me in a sense. I'm I'm going to ask you to listen to something, and I'm going to ask you if you would like to just close your eyes so that you can pay attention to what I want to say, and so that then we can meditate on what the meaning is. So. Just uh, trust me, if you will. So I'm looking around to see who does trust me around here. And it's only when I lock eyes with you that you finally will close them. So here it is. (laughs) Ailey! Ailey! Lama salakhani! what Jesus shouted from the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We're going to talk today about the grace of lament. And in the Bible, uh, there are actually a lot of lamentations. There's a book called Lamentations. But in the Psalms, um, there are several laments. If I were to say that word to you, you would have to stop for a moment. It's not, it's not a word that we use in our vernacular. We, we don't often say, I'm, I'm going to lament for a moment, or we don't call something lamenting. What does it mean to lament? What might um, a synonym be that would come to your mind? What, what other word would you use if we were trying to get at the meaning of lament? Just call that out to me, will you? Moan. Great, yes. What else? Grieve. Sorrowful regret. Sorrowful regret. Good. Pain. Pain. Yeah. Good. I've told you about a book um, by a person near us here in McMaster um, who... uh, teaches about pastoral theology and suffering, and the book is called the, the Roots of Sorrow. And in the process of guiding people pastorally through sorrow, he talks about um, just certain stages that, that they go through. And it's very interesting to me. The, the first one is what he calls from, from mutism to lament, from there he goes from lament to community and then to compassion and so on, but that that first little transition um, he talks about the fact that sometimes sorrow, when it bears down on us it it, it evokes only mutism in us it, it evokes silence in us we are we are left wordless in the context of sorrow and Sahlom would say that that's a very normal and human reaction response to sorrow that we are we're sent into wordlessness um our our words are shattered by our sorrow and we saw last week as we meditated on one of the psalms that the psalmist was in that place he he had nothing to say and dared not say anything because of the power of sorrow that had come over him that had overwhelmed him so that he despaired of life he actually um, not only despaired of life but thought about the fact that it would be better if his life was over short as though it were um, and that he might just as a phantom disappear his life and all that he had thought meaningful Um, and and it's a psalm of silence this is a psalm that is not full of words that are helpful to us in any way, but it's a sum of the muted sufferer. Zyla says then that we need to move to lament, that once sorrow has had its way in silencing us, and once our friends have had this, the grace and the space to let us be with our sorrow, and... The deeper the sorrow is, the more poignant it is that there is the silence because there aren't words for some of the sorrows that we face. There aren't words for a long time. There is just the ugly black face of that which has brought us sorrow. My sorrow, as I've told you before, is my mom being diagnosed with Alzheimer's when she was 54 years old. My sorrow was seeing her in a little nursing home in the Okanagan Valley a shell of the person that she was and My sorrow was her looking at me and not knowing who I was within a year of that diagnosis and Going when I could To a place where lovely people took care of her, but she didn't know who they were she didn't remember who I was and In the blackness of that sorrow I remember sitting with my dad In a car And crying To say what I didn't know And he didn't know But then as years Went on That sorrow I think has given way to lament I lament That sorrow I I feel um, A mourning I, I feel an emptiness. I feel a groaning. I feel the loss of the hopes that my mom and dad had together by the sorrow that, that came to them. And in the scriptures, the single place that lament um, crystallizes, strangely, is on the cross. Because what Jesus cries out on the cross is a lament, it comes from Psalm 22. The whole psalm is a messianic psalm. It's a psalm that um, predicts the things that would happen to the Messiah, how he would die, who would cause his death, and so on. But the psalm itself is is encapsulated in his words from the cross where he simply called out the words that I spoke to you. Those words are Aramaic. They're transliterated into Greek and as well as I can figure out. That's what it sounded like to hear him Call out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So as, as we try to be grown-ups in our Christian faith and grown-ups with sorrow, as we hope towards the hope of Advent, um, let's just stop this morning and remember the three expressions that Jesus made in that lament when he called out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Maybe they will school us if we need to be lamenting. Maybe they will school us if someone near us needs to be lamenting. Um, maybe they will just school us in an understanding of what life is and what this life of faith is. The first thing that um, I notice in this that uh, Jesus called out, My God, my God. One commentator says, um, What was being called out by Jesus was called out from a bruised faith, a longing faith, a faith emptied of nearness. One woman as she was dealing with her terrible sorrow, the loss of her son, she said, I don't know where I don't know where to look for you, O God. I've called and I've called, I've looked and I've looked. I go back to my room and sit in the dark, waiting for you. Could you give me a sign that you've hurt? Could you numb my emotions so I wouldn't hurt so much? No sign of you. I'm dying, God, without you. One person says it's the daring declaration of the condition of God forsakenness to the only one who can absorb this dark reality. The, the first aspect of lament is that it owns faith. Uh, Jesus called out two times, my God, my God. And when we begin to enunciate our, our sorrow, when we begin to put language to it, um, we as followers of Christ, Start with the desperate hope for God. Uh, sometimes it's a hope that is uh, obscured. We we said last week it's eclipsed by the sorrow, so that the hope can hardly be discerned, can hardly be seen. But there is that that persistent resilience that hope owns, um, and that we as followers of Christ treasure that. There's that desperate, desperate hope that even though I can't see him, there is God. That even though the liveliness of my faith and belief has been eclipsed by sorrow, still hope is resilient and presses forward. And when we can lament the deep sorrow of our lives, we do well to start by calling out, My God my God. Uh, Everyone who who deals with sorrow um, that I know calls that statement out, my God, or a God, or is God, or would God. Um, People become very religious in the face of sorrow. Um, They become religious haters, God-haters, or the God that they don't believe in, they hate him even more because of the sorrow. But God gets in the language of lament. And God gets properly in the language of our lament if we follow the pattern of Christ who's hanging on a cross and he's calling out to the heavens, my God, my God. The second thing that he says, and we we often just pass it by, is why? Why? My God, my God, why? Why? Why is the hardest question to answer, isn't it? Annabeth asks me that question all the time. and and I'm a guy to start with, so oftentimes the answer is, I don't know. You know, like the question, what are you thinking? (laughs) Nothing. But she'll ask me, why did you go this way? Like we could go another way to the church. Why did you go this way? Honestly, I don't know. The car went that way. Or other nonsensical responses to similar questions. But of all of the, you know, the, the, the journalist questions, right? Who, what, where, why, when, how? Of all of those, why is the hardest to answer. What? Just say what it is. How? Say how it happens if you know. But Why? Um, And yet, why is probably the question on a human's lips that is most instructive, philosophically, theologically, real-life-ish stuff. If we can ask why about the right things, we'll probably make some progress. And Jesus from the cross called out why. Why? Now, I've given you my theology of suffering, and it's not very satisfying. My theology of suffering is that we've pulled the roof down on our heads and the debris hits us randomly. That's my theological answer to why. But there are a lot of other why questions in the middle of sorrow that have to be asked. You have to ask the question because it's, it's out there has this happened to me because I've brought it upon myself? Have I done something? And that's why. And what I tell people is that if with a, you know, with a ready mind and an open heart, you, you are suffering some sorrow and you want to know, did I do something that God is punishing me about? Then ask him. And if he doesn't say anything, that's the answer. If if you have an open mind and an open heart, your father does not play hide-and-seek over suffering. If you're being punished or chastised or disciplined, ask him, and he'll tell you. If he doesn't tell you anything, there's nothing to tell. But there are other things you want to ask why about. Um, why has this happened to me? Why... Has f- the fallenness of this world hit me this way? Um, why has the ways of this world turned against me in this? Um, why is God involved in this if it wasn't to chastise me? Why is, he, why is he bringing me through this? What is it at the end of this that will be an answer to Why? Not why it happened to me, but why God was interested in seizing it and making it good, making it glorifying for him. Why? My God, my God, why do I suffer? Why is this sorrow upon me? Why have you forsaken me? There's the Aramaic is translated into Greek, so we have two, two chances to figure out what this means. Um, what it means is to desert, um, to walk away, to turn away, to forsake, no matter which language you put it in. My God, my God, Why? Have you deserted me? Why have you forsaken me? Why have you walked away? He's God. He knows of which he speaks. So apparently God had forsaken him. That's hard. God did forsake his son. Um... Where was the greatest pain and anguish? Was it in the garden about his will and the cup? Was it on the cross? Was it with the trials and scourging and then the crucifying? Or was it in the absence of the Father? That when the Son gazed into the heavens and called out, my God, my God, there was no answer. The voice that had once said, this is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. The voice was silent. It's a painful thought. And it's a painful thought that in the middle of our sorrow, we call out to God with our whys, and we're forsaken. We're left alone. Are we truly left alone? No. Uh, was was Jesus truly left alone? Well, how that Tracy said the poem means, you know, it's it's the it's the kenosis. It's that whole dilemma of God and man being one, more than one God being one God at the same time. So how can how can God the Father actually forsake God the Son? Well, God the Father does not speak from heaven and say, I have not forgotten you. In fact, it looks as though God the Father forsakes his son on the cross. And that the Son of God endures spiritual death. He endures separation from the Father. Um, It's it's not a a matter of time. It's not how long he was separated from the Father. It's that... He he was actually eternally separated from his father. And it was necessary. It was of love that the father would forsake him. Um, Hard lessons for the Christian might be that sometimes the father does need to forsake you. To bring about different purposes. To bring about the coming of his love um the experience of his love the the weight of that experience when it it comes back to you after the sorrow and the lament where like the psalmist you say i i've searched for you day and night and i can't find you i've i would look in heaven or hell for you and i can't find you um then the joy of rediscovering his presence so I think there are times when Christians, at least by their experience, just have to say, the father turned his back. The father deserted me. And my lament has been to cry out to him, why? Where Where are you? My, my dad was a pastor for most of his life, um, for a while he was a pastor in St. Catharines and the great retirement dream that he and my mom had was to buy a place in Niagara on the lake and live there through their retirement Um, my lament is why couldn't that be right your lament is why was that person taken why did that loss have to overwhelm me? Why did that awful thing happen, that horrendous thing, that thing that is a nightmare still for me? Why did that happen to me? Why did all of those things, we, we lament those things, and we honestly say to God, I looked for you. I looked to try to find you, and you weren't there. what what a tremendous thing is it is that we have the end of the story because um, Paul helps us he, he brings us a beautiful hymn um, about the sun and what the sun did and how the sun did empty himself in his kenosis and then at the end of it he, be, he, um, he became like us a, a servant through and through and he became a man just like us and A servant, a servant. Wherefore God has highly exalted him and given him the name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. For the absence of his Father on the cross, um, the after story and the back story is King of Kings, Lord of Lords. The Father will demand that every knee bows and every tongue will confess. The Father will commit himself to be very vocal, to be very present, and to call all of creation to abeyance um, when we say King of kings and Lord of lords. The lament will be over. So in the meantime, perhaps your lament is fading and, and it's a memory, it's a sadness, Maybe it's still fresh. Maybe it's around the corner. Um, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Um, God was not and was present. So it's true. He was not and was present. For us, in our experience, and our sorrow, he may be and may be not present. All at the same time, I I don't know how that could work. Um, But Advent gives us a reason to uh, make sure that as clearly as we can, we see the hope of what the new creation brings. The death of Jesus was absolutely necessary. The father could not tolerate what his son became out of love. The father could not look on that. It's like the father said to the angels, can you just please watch this for me? I can't be here. In your sorrow, God feels that too. He wants to say to you, I can, I know, I can't look at it either. I know it it hurts so father we thank you for the honesty of the scriptures in calling us to this dilemma of a God who could be absent while he is doing the most loving thing uh, to be present and we pray that you can help us to, to grasp enough Um, to carry us through the, the sorrows of our lives and the sorrows of our friends' lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.